Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media and Service of Change. It's the show that challenges reality, questions that which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II, and on this episode of The Secret Podcast, we will aim once again to make the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural as we dissect the developing story surrounding the Anacama skeleton found in Chile by Dr. Greer and his team and a recent paper published by Dr. Gary Nolan of Stanford University. The conflict is, is this being alien? Is it human? Has there been academic fraud that has been committed? And what does that mean for our community, for our civilization, for our society? Dr. Greer did an awesome breakdown of uh, his side of the evidence and his side of the story and the claims that he's making. In addition, I pulled some other pieces to this puzzle, breaking down who some of these players are and uh, trying to make sense of this. But I want to start this out by saying I really have no clue what's going on. I'm going to present to you the facts as I've found them, uh, and we can draw our own conclusions. I have my own theories based on what we know right now, but there are still too many unknowns, and I fear that that's how they want it. They want to keep us guessing in this very complex situation. Before I get into that, I'm going to get into the news. Obviously, I have some very interesting stories that tie into everything that we talk about, as always. Been a uh, been a pretty good week for me, feeling much better from my illness last week. I apologize for uh, some of the quality of last week's show. I was literally lightheaded by the end of the show last week. My whole face was tingling when I closed out the show, and I went back and I re-listened to parts of it. And uh, I definitely sounded like I was on another planet. So thank you to those of you who stuck with me through that show. Because once I got rolling, there was some really good content that came out that uh, hopefully you got a chance to listen to and process. This week I started uh, a new type of meditation. I was reading a, a article. I, should, I meant to bring the journal down here with me. Um, I was reading an article in, in a yoga magazine. It's like Yoga Journal, I think. I was talking about the use of a mantra, you know, the re- repetition of, of a specific sound or word, uh, you know, in your meditation. Most common one that we hear of is Om in, uh, you know, in yoga meditations. And it was this girl who was talking about how she beat depression by just um, reciting a mantra over and over and over again. Now, I have worked with mantras when I was younger, um, but I haven't really messed with them in a, in a while. But she said she had a particular success with this one mantra, Ram, R-A-M. And uh, she's, the, the meaning of it, I don't have the journal in front of me because I'm unprepared, but the meaning of it has something to do with consuming the negative energy and thoughts within me and purifying them or something like that. So, well, that resonates with me because at the end of last week, I was feeling pretty depressed once again. I, I go, it's, it's an ebb and flow, but I'm just feeling down. So I gave this a shot. And I don't like, I feel weird sometimes. So I got my kids in the house, my wife in the house. So to sit there and chant a mantra, even if they're in another room, I get all self-conscious. I don't know why, but I do. So I found a, a YouTube, uh, I guess, video. It was about seven minutes long of just the Ram mantra over and over again. They say they've recited 180 times. And I've been playing that twice a day, once in the morning when I wake up and then once in the evening after I finish my yoga before I go to bed. And I have to say, I've had a, a stellar week. I do feel something happening inside. I, I can't describe what it is. It does feel like an internal cleansing feeling is going on um, when I recite this mantra. Now, maybe that's psychosomatic, but I'm going into this on the conscious level, at least with zero expectation. Uh, but the other thing that's starting to happen, and this has happened before in my meditations, is when I can hit that point of the trance when I when I really get in the zone and I don't hit it every time I meditate um, but I have hit it a few times this week you know you're supposed to with this meditation they say focus on your third eye different meditations you focus on different chakra points this one you're focusing on your third eye you experience a thought that's okay a lot of times in meditation we think oh I shouldn't have any thoughts I got to clear my mind no you you have the thought and what this told tells you to do is just 
push the thought to where your third eye is and then it'll dissipate. And I've done that. And then you go back to just focusing on the sound of Ram as it repeats over and over again. And then before you know it, your mind is clear again and you're not having any thoughts. So that's what I've been doing. And I reach this zone where I'm aware of my body, but you almost feel like you're somewhere else. And I think it's been maybe two or three times this week where I've started to sense two or three beings. Oh, you hear that in the background? Mom, your dog's snorting in the middle of my show. Anyway, I'm dog sitting today. Anyway, I start to sense two or three beings, forgive me, two or three beings standing off to my right. And they feel like they're coming a little bit closer. I'm not afraid. It's nothing scary. And and that's where it stops. I can't, the, you know, the meditation ends before I have time to go any deeper into it. And I've had this experience a few times in the past. I've also had this experience when I wake up with sleep paralysis and you sense that being next to you and all of a sudden you go into the, that state of fear. You know, if you've read uh, my first book, I Am Human, I talk extensively about that. That's not what this experience is. <clears throat> but I wonder, you know, am I starting to make contact with some type of spirit guides? Um, or is it just my imagination running wild? I don't think that it is, but, you know, I'm open to that possibility. But I've, I've seen this on three occasions in the past, two or three occasions in the past week. I want to continue to pursue that to see if I can make contact um, with whatever these figures might be. But it's pretty cool, you know. And, and the only way I can describe it is if you're sitting there quietly and you feel somebody walk in the room, eyes open, eyes closed. Sometimes you know somebody's standing there without even looking. Well, there was nobody. One time, nobody else was even in the house. There was nobody else standing by me. I know I have, I have three young children and my wife in the home from time to time. And even my dog, no, nobody, nothing, nothing was there. You know, I, I, at one point I, I opened my eyes and it was over. Nobody in the room. Um, so I'm, I'm perceiving something. Either my senses are being tricked to give me the feeling like somebody's standing next to me, or maybe there's something there in the spirit realm or in the, through this meditation. So I look forward to trying to connect with, with whatever these beings are um, and finding out more. And hopefully I do, and I'll report back to all of you. But that was something positive. So my biggest piece of advice with meditation, it's you're not going to sit down the first time. I've been meditating for years. The first time you sit down to meditate, it's probably going to feel uncomfortable. It's probably going to be difficult. And you're going to say, ah, it doesn't work for me. Just keep at it. Even if you get in two minutes on your first session, um, give it a try, keep trying, and you will find a format that works for you. And I, I have to say, doing yoga has been has enhanced my ability to meditate because during yoga, you're focused on the movement of your body and you're tying it into your breathing and your breath. And just those two actions have helped me to just quiet my mind and just focus on my breath and enhance my, I guess, the deepening of my meditation. So Tai Chi as well. I used to study Tai Chi, but yoga seems to work better for me. Just something for you to try, something positive uh, out there. Uh, you know, the past couple of weeks I've been starting to show complaining about how sick I felt. So I'm feeling good this week and I want to spread that, that joy and that positivity out there. All right, some things going on in the news. Uh, interesting, scary, everything under the, you know, under the sun. This one comes to us from NPR and uh, this went viral on Facebook. It wasn't just NPR. It was, it was a Twitter feed that came from Deadspin. Um, and it, the, the NPR article is titled video reveals, reveals power of Sinclair as local news anchors recite script in unison. You may have seen this, the Deadspin tweet quotes how America's largest local TV owner, turned its news anchors into soldiers in Trump's war on media. Now, the way they pieced this together is terrifying. It's 1984. And you know what? It is a reality. And I've seen a similar compilation of this years ago. These news anchors all across the United States, they're all owned by, uh, what is it? Uh, I think it's, it's the Sinclair Broadcasting Group. Does it have the number here? Let me just read what NPR says. A video published by sports news site Deadspin over the weekend revealed dozens of TV anchors from Sinclair Broadcast Group reciting the same speech, warning against biased and false news. Okay, think about that. All of these anchors are giving the same exact warning against biased and false news, but they're reading from the same exact script. 
it, it says Sinclair required local anchors to record promos where they denounce, quote, the troubling trend of irresponsible one-sided news stories plaguing our country and say that, quote, some members of the media use their platforms to push their own personal bias and agenda to control exactly what people think. But that's exactly what they did here. It, it's Again, I'll have the links in the show notes uh, at servicechange.com at sixcentsmedia.net and in the secret newsletter this weekend so you can check it out as well. But the way they compile this is they have one news anchor reciting it, and then they switch to another news anchor who recites the same thing word to word, another news anchor who says the same thing word to word, and then they'll have one news anchor start the sentence, and then the next, next news anchor finishes the same sentence, and then what they started doing was playing multiple news anchors at once, and at one point I think they had like 80 of them up there reading the exact same script in like a choral harmony. It's it's horrifying, and that's why I'm always saying we need to be smart consumers. If you just watch the 6 o'clock news while you're making dinner on your local TV station, chances are you're being fed what the establishment or the corporation or whoever thinks they're in control, whatever they want you to know. Either everything's hunky-dory or be afraid, here's what's happening. They're feeding you their perspective. That's not the news. That's not the raw, biased, I'm, I'm sorry, objective truth of what's going on in the world. It's carefully selected stories designed to manipulate your perception of reality of the world around you. Go out, read a book, read multiple books on opposing views by multiple authors, listen to podcasts, listen to this podcast, please, and go to sixcentsmedia.net. But check multiple sources. But, you know, for me as a consumer of, of media, I have multiple sources that I check. And I check the mainstream sources because they're going to have the big stories and I like to see what, what they're pushing. But then I have my own sources as well. I have my own, I'll say, for now, my trusted people that I respect, people I enjoy listening to, uh, researchers, podcasters, writers that I go to, but I also branch out into other formats as well. So there's multiple sources of media that I check on a regular basis, and I, and I encourage all of us to do the same. And chances are, if you're listening to this show, you're already doing that. It seems the people that need to hear that message don't listen to shows like mine. All right. Now, as if that's not scary enough, uh, another article, I found this one through CNBC. Twitter defends itself after people used it to spread false stories about the YouTube shooting. Twitter defended its current policies and said that it would do more to combat misinformation on the site following the shooting at YouTube's campus on Tuesday. As the events unfolded, Twitter accounts maliciously spread hoaxes and and a witness's account was hacked. Twitter said it is exploring ways to identify malicious accounts more quickly to integrate human review. I'm sharing this because... If you were listening to last week's show, one of the news stories I covered talked about where they see AI developing being able, was this last week? Yes. Being able to craft its own fake news. AI will have the ability to craft fake news and tailor it to each individual user based on your social media or your metadata footprint, whatever it is that you have out there through your searches, through your your activity online, through your comments, Everything that's available about you out there, these AI bots will have the ability to get a really good profile and they're going to know all of your trigger words and trigger stories and be able to cater this. So this I'm not saying AI was involved in this. It sounds like there were a lot of uh, bot accounts that Twitter identified during this. Um, but you had the shooter that went in you know, at YouTube and within 10 minutes, then all these fake stories and fake spinoffs started going. And what it's saying is, you know, you really can't trust Twitter anymore Um to be a trustworthy site to get breaking news updates and alerts. And that's scary. And and I I think it's safe to say at this point, aspects of social media have been compromised. And that's why I think it's important to know your source. I think it's a good starting point when you see something breaking, but resist the impulse to hit that share button. You don't have to be the first one to share it. I know a lot of them, I want to be the one to get this... I know that was a problem in the intelligence community. People would get something hot and be like, I want to be the one to tell the general. And they'd go running with this information or they'd hold on to it. If you take five minutes and investigate it, you have a portable 
computer in your pocket usually that has the ability to, to learn or to teach you so many things. Take some time and verify the story. Or if you're going to share it, I usually put up there, have not verified yet, will review and get back to you. That's you know something along those lines. But you've got people that are maliciously spreading fake news. You've got governments that we know are maliciously spreading fake news. And now you've got AI in the mix. You really need to be careful with of where you're getting your news stories from. And uh, this is a shameless plug here, but this is why I'm proud to be a part of Sixth Sense Media. Um, you know, Ray and I have been have been sharing our, our ideas, our, sometimes our opinions. Um, you know, Ray's been putting up a ton of content out there, and, and some of it's uh, opinion based, but you know it's opinion based, and he cites the sources where he's getting his information to formulate his opinions. And when we're talking factual stuff, we're citing our sources. That you know, When I talk about something on the show, if you go to the show notes, the links are there to where I'm getting my information because my hope is that you will then go back and do your own research and hopefully expand upon it more and either prove or disprove it. I, if you disprove, quote, disprove me, I, okay, I'm excited about that. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed because... At the time that I do my show, I'm giving you my best understanding of the facts as I see them. As I get more facts, if you've been tracking this, uh, you know, the AI stuff and the, the UFO stuff, my story will evolve with the facts as they come out. Anyway, I've beat that up enough. Let me jump to uh, a couple stories at SixthSenseMedia.net uh, that I think are, are, are going to really invoke some great thoughts here. Um, this first one written by Ray is called, Are We Bound and Gagged by Our Five Senses? And it's a great piece that Ray wrote. And we've got a great discussion going on actually right now um, at our Sixth Sense Media discussion group on Facebook. And I just realized, I don't think I've ever shared that link in the show notes or in uh, in the newsletter. So I will have that link if you'd like to join the discussion group. It's a private group. Just request to join and we'll approve it. Um, but that's where we, we talk about all of these things and we're making such great connections with members of our community in there right now. But what this discussion is around is, you know, we have our five senses and we seem to think if we can't see it, feel it, taste it, touch it, hear it, whatever, smell it, it doesn't exist. And our science, all our science does is extend our senses by saying, well, we're going to use technology to interpret whatever it is that's out there in a format that the five senses can appeal to. Now, the bulk of my work and my research, obviously the name of this, the name of our platform, Six Sense Media, is going beyond the five senses. So our discussion is on there talking about, hey, is there something beyond it or is this everything? Is this the limit? I don't think it's the limit. I think that there's much more than just what the five senses can perceive. Science has actually proven that we're only capable of perceiving a very tiny, less than 1% of the visible light spectrum. So who are we to suggest that well, if we can't see it, there's nothing else beyond that? Who are we to say that there's not intelligent life that exists in an energetic format beyond our visible perception, you know, and the example I gave and I give in my book, you know, years ago, nobody knew that germs existed, but germs, even though nobody knew about them, still had the ability to influence human health. It wasn't until the microscope came out, they said, hey, these things exist. I strongly believe that we're going to find these energetic parasites that I write and talk about. Eventually, we'll develop technology to identify them and measure them. And then we're going to say, yep, these things are affecting your energetic health, and which has a direct effect on your mental health and your physical health. So I, I think we're going to uncover that. I think we're going to find the signal or some way to hone in on these things. And it's not going to be a big deal. It sounds scary when you don't know anything about it. It sounds all supernatural and paranormal, but my hope is through my book, Food for the Archons, making the paranormal feel normal. I, you know, when I started writing that book, I looked at it and said, this is horrifying. There's these invisible things that are eating our energy. You're like, wow, that sounds really crazy. But then if you think about it, well, there's invisible things that live inside your body that are eating your body and eating your good bacteria and all that stuff that are slowly trying to kill you or consume you in some cases. What is it? It's a parasite. It's bacteria. They're amoebas. They exist even though we can't see them. And what have we done? We have developed medicines, technologies, diets, 
um, ways of identifying them and purging them from our body. And I suspect that we're going to find ways to purge these energetic parasites from our bodies as well. And I, you know, I, I'm, I have a couple ideas in mind, things that I've done that have seemed to have worked over time. We also have a great um, article. It's, it's an article with a compilation of videos uh, that Ray threw up there. It's the original radio reports on the Roswell incident. You need to go check this out. Fascinating. I know I need to revisit that. Uh, you know, side note, thinking of this, I know the Farsight Institute did a remote viewing mysteries project on Roswell. I haven't checked it out yet, um, but I highly encourage you to do so, and I'd like to do that to see what they're viewing and if any of the data that came out of those remote viewing sessions correlates with what we're tracking today with recent disclosure efforts and um, disclosure events. Speaking of the Farsight Institute, their predictions for the month of April have been released along with their new mysteries project. Their new mysteries project was remote viewing Moses and the Ten Commandments. This, I'm sure, promises to be a fascinating um, review of data and information that they acquired on that target. So more to come from the Farsight Institute on that. I'll see what I can get um, on that as well. And their predictions for the month of April, I'll have the links to that in the show notes so you can check out what they're seeing in the upcoming month as well. They've been getting great results with what they're doing. All right, one more article at SixthSenseMedia.net that Ray put up there that I want to direct you to. It's the groupie syndrome in UF, UF, ufology. Um, Ray does a great job. And basically, I, I want you to read this yourself. I'm just going to highlight the premise of it, but it's we get so caught up sometimes in our in our UFO superstars or our paranormal superstars, our David Ikes, our David Wilcox, our Corey Goods, our Dr. Greer's, uh, you know, Tom DeLonge and Elizondo and those people. Um, you know, and, and I have my own people who, you know, in the community that I really look up to and admire, and I'll talk about one of them tonight, Whitley Strieber. But, but, let this be a reminder, and I want you to read this article by Ray. When we're searching for truth, we need to understand that sometimes truth is going to shatter our paradigms. It's going to shatter our beliefs, and the people who we respect are sometimes wrong, and that's okay. Even if, as long as they're not intentionally deceiving you, if they get it wrong, they get it wrong. As long as when they're presented with the, the information that counters what they're saying, they own up to it. It's okay. And just because you disagree with somebody on a particular point doesn't mean everything else is incorrect. But we need to stop focusing on the idols that have been created in these fields and focusing more on the overall goal and the truth behind it. And that's what this article speaks to, and I, and I want you to check it out. I'll have the links to it, because I think it's, it's very important, especially with what we're seeing now with these players. There seems to be an obvious divide that's growing within the UFO community. What side do you take? Well, I take my own side, because I'm going to draw my own conclusions, because I don't think one person is white, right and one person is wrong. I think that both groups or all three groups or however many groups are involved, I think they all have elements of the truth. And I think when we can combine those aspects, I think that's when we're able to develop a, a, a broader picture of the truth. And I think that's very important to do. So here we go. Speaking uh, of truth and of what's going on in the world a friend of mine sent this article to me today, and I'm so glad that he did. This is from Politico.com. Now, here's the heading. Space war is coming, and the U.S. is not ready. Are you afraid? Because when I read that article, that tells me that we need to be afraid. We need to have a knee-jerk reaction and do whatever it takes to get ready because this space war is coming, so we need to be scared. Quotes here, the article continues, we're now approaching a point where Star Wars is not just a movie, one government advisor warns. Interesting picture, it's of the Pentagon, it's got missiles and satellites flying over it, it almost looks like a Star Wars-esque uh, picture there. The article continues, war is coming to outer space and the Pentagon warns it is not yet ready 
following years of under-investing while the military focused on a host of threats on Earth. Russia and China are years ahead of the United States in developing the means to destroy or disable satellites that the U.S. military depends on for everything from gathering intelligence to guiding precision bombs, missiles, and drones. Now, here's my aside. Right now, we've got all this stuff going on with expelling Russian diplomats, with the poisoning of the Russian spies in, in England, and uh, with China, these, this alleged trade war that's coming up. And now, who's developing space weapons faster than us? Russia and China. There's a case being made against them. I'm not saying that none of that stuff is true. I'm saying if you look at history, before we get involved in the war, we start demonizing the countries we're going to war with. Look at history. I've done shows on Vietnam and even World War One and World War Two and the buildup to it. These are things we need to be mindful of because what I'm seeing is the demonization of Russia and of China and, and the Russian one. They're both obvious. We're seeing it. And also of UFOs being a threat and the push for weapons in space. Now, I want to take a step back. I've referenced this gentleman Several times, the late Bill Cooper, uh, again, as a recap, he, he he said he was a former intelligence officer in the military, and he looked at the classified documents claiming that stating that UFOs and extraterrestrials were, in fact, real. Cooper then went on to state that, well, it's possible that those documents were intentionally given to me with the hope that I would later go out and share this story as part of a disinformation campaign. He said he couldn't he couldn't prove either way. He then went on to talk about Project Bluebeam, and I've done a couple shows talking about this if you go back. Basically, he said the final, the final, I guess, false flag, the final event that this cabal is going to put together to create the one world government will be a staged alien invasion. Now, he wrote this book back in the 90s, and you read that, and even those of us who were followers of UFO lore and, and or UFO testimony and accounts and whatever you want to call it, that's a pretty tall order to fill, especially back in the 90s. You're going to sit there. His book was called Behold a Pale Horse. You, you hear something like that, and you say, yeah, right. How are we going to get from here, 1997 or whatever, to... There's a staged alien attack. Well, let's take a look at this for a minute because what happened shortly after that? Well, you have movies like Independence Day coming out and the theme was aliens bad attack Earth. It planted the seed. We've had countless movies of alien invasions. One of my favorite genres, I'm not going to lie. Um, so many movies came out and then you have... Uh, you know the alien series, and they tied it into Prometheus, and they which they tied into the ancient astronauts theory: aliens being the gods, aliens being our creators, ancient aliens, the TV show. Um, you know all of this stuff suddenly flooded the media, and I said for me one of the red flags for me with ancient astronauts, and I was a loyal fan when that the first two or three seasons. But my biggest concern was, why now? Why all of a sudden do they have shows like Ancient Astronauts or Ancient Aliens and UFO Hunters? Why are they so popular now? Are they planting the seed there? Is, are they getting the public prepared for some kind of disclosure event? making So there's not a, a war of the world's mass panic, people killing themselves type of scenario. So you see that stuff happening and you start saying, well maybe Bill Cooper was right because they are paving the way for this. Now, after the, which was the Parkland shooting in Florida, there was a meme floating around and it was somebody had circled a quote from Bill Cooper's book, Behold a Pale Horse. And he warned that the government planned to take away Americans' guns. And he says, and one of the things they're going to do to bring this about, it's not a direct quote, but it is a quote from what he did say. One of the things they plan to do is to stage or to not even stage because I, I, by saying stage, I think it implies that students weren't shot and students weren't killed. But somehow, um, I can't think of the right word now, 
manipulate school shootings to happen. I can't think of the right words. So they were going to have shootings take place at schools. Let me word it that way. I can't remember his wordings. Because then that could be used to motivate the American people to give up their guns. I didn't believe it when I saw it. I thought, this is one of those memes that's fake news. I read the book. It was about three or four years ago. I have the audio book. I went back uh, about a month ago, two months ago, whenever right after the shooting happened, and I listened to the whole audio book again, and it's there. Bill Cooper, he nailed it. He called it. He said, "School." who would have thought back in the 90s that school shootings were going to become a common thing? And the man called it. Did he predict it as some visionary psychic no the man had data in my opinion that he was analyzing and i think he had some tips from the inside and he he put it in his book it's there so again this is why we need to be smart consumers and we need to read a variety of sources even the people you may think are kooky loony or fringe i think they're some of our best sources of information even if you take it and you file the crazy stuff away for a little bit because one day when something crazy like hey ufos are real comes out like it just did now you have other sources you can go back to and reevaluate but if you're just taking what the mainstream's telling you, they're telling you UFOs are real, Department of Defense isn't doing anything about it, and we're not going to mention aliens. We're not going to say what they are. We're not even going to ask what they are. Well, we need to start asking those questions and be well-rounded in where we're getting our sources. I got sidetracked. Bill Cooper predicted the gun thing. He's predicting a false alien invasion. Donald Trump was just talking a few weeks ago, I covered it on the show, about you know, he brought it up again about the importance to build a space force, a space-based military. We're talking about putting bases on the moon. Now you go, according to Colonel, Colonel Corso, there after Roswell, those plans were in place back in the 1950s, and that base may actually exist already. That's the other thing. You know, if you look at things like the secret space program, it sounds wild and crazy, but the more I see the let me choose my words carefully again. The more information I see the To The Stars Academy putting out, the more I am beginning to suspect that they are just trying to slowly bring out information that's been kept secret from all of us since the 1950s. I think it's already there, and I think some of these players already know it, and this is how they're releasing it to the world, in my opinion. But now it's mainstream articles talking about we need a space-based military. Reagan suggested it way back when, what, in the 80s, when he says, that, you know, I, I wonder how mankind would react if we were facing a common alien threat. We'd unite around the world. And that speech has been used time and time again to talk about this stuff. Um, they say, did Reagan know? Did he know? Maybe he did. I, I don't know. I'm not inside the man's head. But, but what we are seeing is the weaponization of space. And tying this back, Edgar Mitchell warned against the weaponization of space in his wiki-leaked emails to John Podesta. And apparently these peaceful ETs were willing to, are willing to share zero-point energy, as Stephen Greer is constantly promoting, as Dr. Greer is constantly promoting. However, they will not do so if we arm ourselves in space or until we disarm ourselves in space. Now, I want to be quite clear. I'm not saying that's the best option for us. According to Colonel Corso, because space was weaponized under the guise of the Cold War, we developed technology to defend ourselves from these alien or ET beings. Now, I don't know the truth on this one. Are they a threat? Are they friendly? Is it both? And this is where Ray's article comes in handy, is we need to find the truth and not just follow our most trusted and favorite guru or expert in that field. Because there is conflicting information out there from opposing groups with credible people, credible testimony on both sides. I don't know what the truth is. What I do know, what we can see right now from our vantage, based on mainstream and independent media, UFOs exist, where it has not been disclosed who pilots them, and we're trying to weaponize space if it hasn't been weaponized already. Now we can take all that other data, some of the fringe stuff, and start filling in the holes. This is intelligence analysis.
that's what we're doing here. You, you know, you, you may have, uh, you know, a high-ranking source who, who's credible every time, but you may have new sources who you haven't evaluated them yet, or you may have multiple sources that are reporting the same story, getting it from different places. And that's why it's important as a journalist to go back and I think look at all these previous accounts and testimony from, from witnesses throughout history, throughout the past 50, 60 years, and what they've been saying. Because I think there's answers hidden within that. And I, and I want to talk about some of that uh, maybe right now. Let me look at my notes here. I haven't even gotten to the Atacama skeleton yet. Let's do that because that ties into some of this conflict that's going on. So I, I did a, a minute and a half synopsis video uh, during the week because I needed to get some information out on this developing story. You can see it. I'll have it in the links, but it's up at sixcentsmedia.net right now. It's on the YouTube page uh, and on all the social media accounts and stuff. But back in 2010, a six-inch long skeleton was found in the Atacama Desert uh, in Chile. Now, this skeleton had an elong, it's six to eight inches long, had an elongated skull, looked like this mini alien being. Um, it was, I forget who discovered it, but somebody purchased it, and then, I don't know if they smuggled it or just took it out of the country, but it ended up in Spain. Dr. Greer assembled a team involving Dr. Greer and a guy by the name of Emery Smith. I'm just getting to learn about Emery Smith through the Jimmy Church show on Fade to Black. Emery Smith's uh, story is that he was in the Air Force and he was part of all of these secret programs to identify and investigate crashed ET vehicles and recover ET bodies. And he claims to have done over 3,000 autopsies, I think is the number. Um, not all his autopsies were on full bodies. Some of them, may, he said, were just specimens, meaning parts of a body that he had to analyze and categorize and all that stuff. So... That's who, who Emery is. He, he's this Air Force guy who apparently is well-connected in the intelligence community. So they recovered this being, Dr. Greer, Emery, and I guess they brought a team out there into Spain to, to recover some DNA that they could test on this. It was a very delicate process. And there's a documentary. It's called Serious Disclosure. Uh, I know it's available through Dr. Greer's website. I don't think this one's on Netflix. You can probably find it on YouTube. I know it's, it, it's out there. And it shows, in part, uh, about this being. Uh, and again, I think this was back in 2010. So they recovered this stuff. It takes a while to get all the testing done and stuff like that. Now, some of the anomalies they pointed out, this thing, I believe, had four plates in the skull. Uh, a normal human skull has, it's either five plates or three plates, I can't remember. But it had either one more or one less plate in the skull. It had only 10 ribs, which is less than the humans have. I think, well, humans, we have six. Um, I'm sorry, we have 12. I, again, I might be wrong. I may be making a fool of myself, but I know there's a discrepancy between how many ribs were with this being and how many ribs that we had. Uh, and this skull was elongated. It almost looked like the Paracas skulls that are in uh, Peru. And again, the, the Paracas skulls have a different number of plates in their skull than humans do. Now, some things that were of interest is that the plates in the skull were fused. They were calcified. Um, and the bone density, according to Dr. Greer, and even Emery in Fade the Black this week, the bone density was suggestive of somebody, of a child who was six to eight years old. The challenge came out. There was a paper that was released, and I mentioned it on the show about two weeks ago. I just mentioned it in passing. I didn't recognize the significance of this at the time. Uh, a guy by the name of Gary Nolan, he's a PhD um, out of Stanford University. Very credible guy. I, I looked him up on the Stanford University website. Like He's legit. He's the real deal. Um, he was there. I, I believe he was there. He initially agreed with the findings that this thing was a six to eight year old being, didn't look human. And then he, the genetic testing happened and Gary Nolan did an analysis and wrote allegedly a peer-reviewed paper, which is published in the journal Genome Research. And what Gary Nolan's paper states is that this being is human and suffers from eight genetic anomalies or deformities. It's not alien. It's not extraterrestrial. Now, I believe Dr. Greer was very careful before the results came in to not call it an alien. But he was leaning in that direction, and, and he's not denying that, that this thing didn't appear to be human. 
what Dr. Greer is saying is that something stinks here. He says, this report never should have made it into a journal. This, he said, this is the most prestigious journal of genetic research. Somehow it got in there and he's saying, it doesn't seem that this was peer reviewed the way it should be in order to get into a journal like this. So what he's suggesting is that Gary Nolan, because he heard unconfirmed, he admits, but he, what he heard from a trusted source is that Gary Nolan was approached and then compromised by members of the intelligence community to discredit the story that this being that we have or that they had in their possession is actually an, an extraterrestrial being. And, and the other thing that Dr. Nolan concluded was that this being at six to eight inches long is actually a fetus, a human fetus. Now, what Dr. Greer said was, if a human baby had that many genetic anomalies, it never would have turned into a, a, a baby. It never would have finished the stage of development past, I think he said a zygote, like, you know, I don't know, that's like a week or two in. He says, it never would have made it that far to fully form. He said, but the bone density, because when you're born, your bones are soft and pliable because you're floating in a weightless environment inside the womb. Once you're out and gravity takes effect and you start growing and things of that nature, the density of your bones changes. And the density of this being was of a child six to eight years old at six to eight inches tall. So there's some significant conflicts of information and Dr. Greer really called out Dr. Nolan and the team and the, and the, this paper here saying it was possible academic fraud that needed to be investigated. Now, Genome Research made some comments here, basically acknowledging that they were aware people were confused or upset by some of the findings published in the journal, and they took the approach that they're not used to doing genetic, dealing with genetic testing on specimens that are so old and that they need to have discussions to reevaluate how they do these procedures. They didn't come out and say that the findings were wrong or that there was a problem with anything like that. It was, it was kind of very safe, you know, let's distance ourselves from this, but we got to deal with this problem type of issue. Anyway, the, the way Dr. Greer came out again, um, you know, he, he really came at, at Dr. Nolan. He was confused as to why Dr. Nolan was telling him one thing at the initial findings and then allegedly has this conversation with members of the intelligence community. And then, oh, I forgot to add, Dr. Nolan is now publicly a member of the To The Stars Academy. And he's questioning that uh, Greer was very critical of the To The Stars Academy. He says, because they're peddling this false alien threat agenda. Now, I'm not saying it's false, but that's what he's telling us to the stars is putting out in the unidentified aerial threat program through the Pentagon, whatever that was with Elizondo. But what Dr. Greer is saying that his sources tell him that the, the to the stars team, these top level of formal Intel people, uh, you know, you've got Mellon, Chris Mellon, who's of the Mellon banking family, Louis Elizondo, who apparently is this um, very talented liar who runs, he said he runs scams on the government. Again, Dr. Greer's words, not mine. Um, you know, he identified, he tied in Hal Putoff with Stanford University. Now I'm going to give a side note here, and this ties into what I was talking about, the idol worship and the people in these communities. I've got a lot of respect for Hal Putoff. Hal Putoff has always been my anomaly with the To The Stars Academy, because I, I look at Hal's research with the remote viewing stuff, and I have glorified him and Russell Targ and, and Ingo Swan and everybody from. I love that story, the remote viewing stuff. So Hal's one of those people. Not, not that I'm on a first name basis with the guy, but in my mind, I look at him like, wow, what a neat guy. What what he's done. I heard a random podcast a few weeks ago talking about mind control, and the guy referenced. He says. A lot of torturous mind control technology was tested and worked on at, at SRI, Stanford Research Institute, through Stanford. I have not verified this. I haven't heard anything else about it. It was just one of those points where I was like, wow, I need to look into this. And he mentioned Hal Putoff, and he said Hal Putoff's not a good guy. I don't have anything to verify that right now, but that would make sense as far as why he doesn't fit with the rest of these players in, in the to the stars Academy. Maybe there's more to, to how I don't, I don't know. That's a point of research for those of you listening. If you have anything else on, on how put off and other projects he's been involved in specifically mind control, 
please get me those links. Let me look into that as well. But this is me trying to be objective and keep an open mind as somebody who I hold respect for, but if he's involved in something that's not truthful, not good, the pieces fall where they may. I'm not going to let it shatter my world, and I am going to accept whatever truth comes my way. Anyway, Dr. Greer refers to these guys as the Rat Pack, who are notorious, he says, for running scams on government officials and corporations and you know people throughout the world. Could this be a scam they're running, you know, trying to control the story, which... I was suggesting in the last couple of shows they're controlling this disclosure story with the government not being interested that we don't have any of this technology. We don't know who they are. It's tough to believe if you look at all the other testimony that's out there that the government is aware there's this secret program that's been funding this and working with this. Uh, so I just don't know. So Dr. Greer went on and on about this. I'll have the links in the show notes to his. It was on American Freedom Radio where he was talking in depth about that. Um, you know, and the To The Stars connection, it's like, wow, really? You know, they're involved in this now, and all of a sudden the story changes. So it's not looking too good for them. It's really not. I don't know if this thing is alien. I don't know if it's human. Um, I think it warrants further uh, further investigation, to say the least. Now, Emory Smith was on Jimmy Church, and I guess he straddled the fence on this one. He really didn't give too many answers that I can walk away with, other than, you know, what Emory said was that, you know, he can't talk too much about certain things because of confidentiality agreements and things aren't ready to be released yet. But he said, he seems to think that, I still don't think he was very clear. I have to go listen to it again. That this thing does have anomalies that make it appear that it's not human. Uh, he says he's worked on non-human entities in the past that look just like this being. Um but he still seemed kind of defensive, not defensive, but that he wouldn't directly disagree with the paper, um, you know, that Gary Nolan wrote. Emery is also a co-author of that paper. He's listed as, as one of the authors of that paper. I, I know this sounds confusing. I'm confused as hell as well as I'm trying to dissect this. But what, what angered me about this is that he said, well, there's, there's more to this, and maybe this will make sense later when more information comes out. There's a good reason why this came out in the way that it did, and if the frustration unites people to come together and you know, take a serious look at these things, then it's great. Well, I, I'm, I'm really tired. I'm not going to go off, I promise, but I'm really tired of these, quote, insiders or people with access to this information dangling information. This is for your own good, or there's a good reason why this is coming out later. What gives you the right to hold on to that information for the, as compared to those of us who are out here who are in, equally as interested, who have are as vested as we possibly can be in getting to the truth? What gives you the right to determine when it comes out, and why are you safeguarding? I, I don't get it. Give it out to the public. If you're really trying to do that, then stop withholding this information that we have a right to know about. So that frustrated me when he kind of dangled that in front of us. There's more to come on this. Well, just tell us now. Why? 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 I don't understand. I don't know what the deal is. I'm not going to go down another tangent on that. I found a, uh, a YouTube. It was a video of Dr. Greer giving a, giving a talk. I think it was from November 2016. And Dr. Greer, back then, he mentioned Tom DeLong, and this is before anything really happened with To The Stars, um, but he said that Tom DeLong, in essence, has been compromised, and he's being led down a road to believe that all of these ETs are bad. He went in and described a little bit about that. Um, but what Dr. Greer is adamant about is that these programs that exist, he's claiming, and, and Emory states this as well, is that we have our, when I say we, I guess humanity, this secret government allegedly, I feel like I'm, I really feel like one of those crazy people when I say secret government so casually. I hate saying that term. And I'm sorry for saying one of those crazy people. I don't mean that, you know, the way it sounded. I feel like I'm speaking in fantasy land. Like, come on, this stuff can't be real. But these credible people are talking about it. I, you know, I, people with, I should say people with credible backgrounds are talking about this being a possibility. And, and I already talked about the, I talked about the beginning of the show. Anyway, I'm getting all twisted up now. Let's assume that it exists. Dr. Greer is, is claiming that they're faking abductions 
with the purpose of making them look like these horrible, terrifying, scary beings. And what he basically said was it's, it's racism that they're creating for us to hate certain types of race of, of alien or ET beings. And what was interesting is that he made the comparison. He says, and what do you see? He see the, the ones that are always referred to as the good ones are his words, the, the blonde haired woman with the big breasts, the Nordics. They're always the good ones. And who's the bad ones? The different looking reptilian scaly creatures are always the evil ones. He says, but what they're doing is they're creating his equivalent of racism. Now, Courtney Brown said something similar to that as well. He says, I'm not going to entertain this, this talk of conspiracy theories without any data that reptilians or whatever is bad. He says, it's racism. Basically it's the same thing as racism. Um, but that seems to be a trigger point for humanity. Something different, we can easily find a way to make it look like it's evil and hate it and then go to war over it. It's the same playbook, it seems like. Anyway, I can't say for sure. You know, I, I wish Dr. Greer would be able to present more information backing up why he believes that, number one, all the ETs he's aware of are benevolent, and number two, they're faking a lot of this other stuff. Now, that does sound like things people in counterintelligence would do. They would put up a deception. Um, why the deception that all aliens are bad? I don't know. I don't understand that. It doesn't mean that it's wrong. I, I have to say, I was very critical of Dr. Greer even, even two months ago. And as this story continues to develop, more of what what Dr. Greer is saying makes sense. It adds up better than what's coming out of To the Stars. I still, that's a big question mark for me is how do you know everything's benevolent? But Dr. Greer even said it. He says, whether I'm right or wrong on this, whether there's bad ETs out there that are influencing us or whether it's this secret space program that's doing it, What's the harm in promoting peace, in trying to have a dialogue if it's aliens, or using his CE5 technique to contact them and have peaceful interactions to move forward? And I don't disagree with that. We have the same objective there as trying to find peace in this world and in this universe. So I can't disagree with that. Now, in my brain, I'm always looking for the Trojan horse here, and, I, and I'm not sitting there saying, let's blindly follow Greer. And All I'm saying is that more of what he's saying is resonating with my personal values right now. And I believe he's presented more transparency than what's coming out now. And I want to I shift gears for a minute. I'm running out of time here. Whitley Strieber, somebody else who I look up to tremendously, the author of Communion, he's not the first, but he had one of the most graphic stories that came out in the 80s that really broke the UFO. Uh, and he calls them the visitors, which I respect tremendously because he's like, I can't tell you if they're aliens. Uh, I don't know what they are. And I, I, that's one of the things I admire most about him. Everybody else labels them alien. He's, he, he says, I don't know what they are. But the man's been a pioneer. He shared this story uh, about what happened to him and how at one point... They, and I've talked about this as well, they examined him with, I think he referred to in his book as a rectal probe. And he says, and he regrets putting that in his book. He says, I was raped. He says, but that once that book came out and the mainstream media got a part of that, a hold of that phrase, that's all we heard about was anal probing. And it completely discredited me and I became a laughing stock for sharing this experience. Um... But he's stuck with it. He hosts Dreamland. He has the website Unknown Country, which I check regularly. I get some of our stories for the show through, um, you know, what goes out through his platform. And he has a, a journal entry that he put out on March 28th. And he says, as UFO disclosures continue, the terror returns for me. I'm going to read some of it. It says, starting in December of last year, the U.S. Department of Defense began officially releasing video of UFO encounters recorded by fighter pilots on advanced imaging devices of various kinds. As soon as it started to happen, I wondered if the terror I experienced in the years after I published Communion would return, and sure enough, that's exactly what seems to have happened. I'm not talking about terror having to do with the visitors. I've long since made an accommodation with them. While I wouldn't deny that they have done things that are terrifying, including to me, my life with them is not like that now. 
I stuck with it and gradually came to what I have now, which is useful to me on many, many different levels. No, I am talking about the attacks on me and the oppression of me that was carried out with an official locomotion. I have increasing evidence that it has started again, and this time I intend to speak out about it. First, of course, there's this website, which is being constantly damaged and degraded in the many subtle ways by somebody who can enter it undetected. There are only two possibilities here. Somebody from my service provider is responsible, or somebody with a high level of hacking skill is doing it. The reason I say this is that it is protected by one of the most sophisticated firewalls on the market. To enter it, you need either to already be behind that firewall or you need to be able to circumvent it. No credit card information is kept on this site. It's not about stealing anything. It's about making things not work right in order to frustrate users. Now, today I got some very chilling information. I was recently invited to be on Gaia TV by one of the hosts. I agreed, but then a day later, the producer called me and told me he, I wasn't wanted. I wondered why not. I've been led to believe that word came down from the top that, quote, Whitley has been known to tell tall tales, that exact phrase, and that is what has frightened me so much. The reason is that this precise phrase, word for word, was used by men claiming to be federal officials who visited my doctor right after communion was published and my film agent. The men claimed to be FBI agents, but who knows what they really were. One of my doctor's nurses told me they had demanded my medical records and had said that, quote, Whitley tells tall tales and we need to find out if there's anything wrong with him. According to the agent's assistant, he was told that Whitley tells tall tales and it would be unpatriotic and harmful to the country to set up communion as a film. I'm going to have the links to the rest of this um, that I encourage you to, to read. I have my questions. Let me, let me be cautious here. I do have my questions about some of the personalities involved with Gaia TV. Uh, and, I, I, and I know David Wilcock has ties to Gaia, and I've talked extensively about David Wilcock. I'm not saying the man's lying, but if anybody tells tall tales, it's David Wilcock. And I don't mean that he's lying. He gives a pretty tall order with the claims that he makes that he can't back up everything. And again, I'm not saying he's lying. I'm not saying he's wrong. But to sit there and say, we don't want somebody like Whitley Strieber, yet we're going to allow David Wilcock, who has a lot, you know, some, some uh, significant airtime through Gaia TV, that doesn't make any sense to me. My question is, why? A and this is the voice that's been pushing me forward as I've been doing my show, is why aren't we talking to people who've had the traditional abduction encounters. Why, wow, this is all coming to me now. Why are we only promoting people now who have encountered the secret space program agenda and the alien threat agenda? Whitley Strieber, you know, he ties his experiences into the research of Jacques Fillet and the similarities and the parallels to ancient fairy lore. You know, my experiences, uh, speaking from personal experience now, I don't have the traditional, I've never seen, maybe once, maybe, uh, a traditional gray. I don't have experience with UFO. I do have experience with strange beings in my room and in my life. I can't say that they're alien. I can't say that what I've experienced is the same thing that's involved with these UFOs. Maybe there's something important in that. I need to explore that further. You know, I reached out to Whitley and, you know, I asked him to come on the show. I don't know if he will or not, but, um, you know, I was sending him words of encouragement. When he finished communion, he got letters. When that book was published, he got letters that came in by the thousands of people claiming to have had similar experiences to him with these beings. By the thousands. And I've said it before, why isn't the mainstream getting a hold of this data and bringing it in. Why doesn't something like Gaia TV want to talk with somebody like Whitley who's, he broke the story. So why wouldn't you want to have him on there? That's why I said we need to be cautious of where we're getting information and evaluate everything and, and view all sides. And I'm not saying that everything that Whitley says is the exact truth, but in my opinion, I think that Whitley shares 
his perspective of his experiences, and he does it quite well, and the man's a great storyteller. You know, and he he says he, he has an implant that's in his ear, and he tried to have it removed, and the implant moved. Oh, Matt just hit my headset. The implant moved while it was in his ear. And he's now saying that that implant is actually a communication device that has deepened his relationship with these beings. The man has a lot to say. I, I, I don't know why somebody would want to turn him down claiming that he tells tall tales. I, I don't understand that given, as Whitley said, some of the other people that are affiliated with Gaia TV. It doesn't make any sense to me. So, uh, I, we need to be cautious. That's all I can say in, in where we're getting our information. And even just because something's alternative or independent, I'm going to put myself in that category. Verify it. Find what resonates with you. Meditate on it. Because Dr. Greer promotes that. He does. I don't hear that coming out of To the Stars. That's more of the agenda of there's a threat. Nobody knows is doing anything about it. We need to do something about it. Let's militarize space and build... You know, as David Icke has said, as, as I have said, when you're in that fight or flight, be afraid mode, you can't focus on that inner growth, that spiritual development, which I believe is where our true power lies. And, I, and I, I'm not trying to glorify Dr. Greer, but he said, I respect that he says the same thing. CE5 for him is where that's at. I haven't, I haven't evaluated CE5 yet, but it's still talking about that inner work. There's something there. Whitley Strieber in his book, Master the Key talked about the sixth sense and the ability to develop your psychic ability. We all have this power. We all have it. How put off though. He's with two of the stars. That's why I get so confused. He was one of the head researchers behind that. I don't know, but you're not hearing that in the, in the new platform that's coming out. It's not tying into this disclosure effort as something viable. So I don't know where the answer is, my friends. Uh, I know this information is still conflicting. I'm trying my best to give you the facts as I see them, obviously with my opinion thrown in here and there. Um, but it seems that we're seeing somewhat of opposing sides that are developing, but those opposing sides have players that kind of go back and forth on either side. I mean, Emery is a prime example of that. Emery Smith, is he's tight, he knows he's affiliated with Dr. Greer, he's affiliated with Dr. Nolan, uh, I don't know what is he said to the stars has kind of contacted him. I don't know. He wasn't very clear on that, but he's not officially working with or for to the stars at this point. I don't know. Lots to figure out. Uh, like I said, I don't have all the answers, but I do have the questions, which is why I'm going to put it out there again. I'd like to do something grassroots. If you have had an experience, a UFO experience, if you've, um, you know, encountered these beings, please come on the show. You can stay anonymous. Come on the show and, and share your story. I think we need to, as I've said, I want to make these conversations more comfortable, make the supernatural natural and the paranormal normal. I think that's how we can help get this story out. If more of us come out and say, I've had this experience and I'm not afraid to share it, then maybe we can start having a, a, a more honest discussion about what these UFOs are and where they come from and what they want. My fear is that we're going to be manipulated into another war, you know, or, or giving up more of our freedoms. Maybe that's the, you know, and, and according to people who have quote predicted this, that's the ultimate goal is for us to give up more of our freedoms. Now, how are we going to know if something is a false flag? At the end of the day, if, if something like that happens, an attack is an attack and we're going to be forced into a defensive mode. And I'm going out on a limb here. If something like that happens, you need to keep that in mind that the enemy might not be who you're told it is. And you need to do what you have to do to defend yourself in that moment, but you need to get grounded and you need to, that's why we need to develop our, our ability to successfully and accurately remote view so if something like that happens, we can task our viewers to then go out and see who's behind this threat. What are their intentions? That's data you can get from a remote viewing standpoint. And if a worst case scenario happens, we don't have the internet, you don't have your phone, you don't have Facebook, which is already compromised anyway. How are you going to get 
your information? How are you going to know what to trust? How are you going to know when to fight and who to fight if it comes to that, which I hope that it doesn't. I'm going to leave you with that, my friends, to think of. Uh, I know I dumped a lot of information out here. I, I cut through some of it just in the interest of time. But uh, I'd like to thank you all for taking the time to listen. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Please get in touch uh, and send me your thoughts and, and any research that you have on anything that I talked about tonight. Don't forget to check out sixcentsmedia.net. Check it every day uh, as the new content's coming up there. Make sure you subscribe to The Secret Podcast. It's on iTunes. It's on SoundCloud, uh, Google Play, iTunes, Radio, iTunes Radio. Um, so many different platforms out there. Subscribe to that. Subscribe to the Secret Newsletter. Subscribe to the newsletter at Six Cents Media. I'm eventually moving the subscription over to SixCentsMedia.net, but get us your email address somehow, servicechange.com or SixCentsMedia.net, because that's the best way to stay connected. All right, my friends, that's all the time I have. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.